Praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Those who do not know me, I'm Pastor Gus. I'm the associate pastor here. Uh, welcome to everybody, especially, of course, Fort Collins, Colorado. They're in the house. Let's welcome them. Thank you so much for coming down. I hope that the city has been kind to you, and uh, please feel at home. Amen? Praise God. Uh, I just got back from Cali late last night. We were at a Mighty Men of Valor conference. It was mind-blowing. It was amazing to see five to 6,000 men gather in one room, weeping and crying before God, that God would change us and make us the men that he wants us to be. And I think that's a place for all of us to be yearning to do, to, to be at a place in our lives where we want to be all that God wants us to be. I think we fall short in the essence when we half-step, when we attempt to try to do the bare minimum and get away with it. Uh, God sees all things, and God gave his all, and he expects us to give us all. Today I'm going to talk about the tension of trying to live two lives. The, the tension exists right here between each of these suitcases. Both suitcases are marked for the same destination, at least claim destination, CTG, closer to God. Both people who have or hold ownership of these suitcases claim that they want to get closer to God. But it's important that we realize that if you want to get closer to God, there are certain behaviors, there are certain habits. We call them holy habits in the last series. How we need to grow in the things of God, we need to develop some holy habits. We need to realize that God is holy and the only way to draw to God is to be holy. And it doesn't mean that we, you know, get our wings and our halo and float around. It simply means that we begin to live separate lives. For us in recovery, we know people, places, and things will get us in trouble all the time. So for us to think that we can continue to do the same thing and get different results is madness. That's why it's called insanity. God calls us to be different, to, to be separate, to be not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that only happens by developing holy habits. If I was to look in your suitcase and you claim that you were trying to get closer to God, what will I find in it? What, what, what would be in that suitcase? I'm going to, I'm afraid to open this suitcase, but I'm going to open the suitcase. I traveled, and in traveling, you know how you check your stuff at the curb, and they tell you not to leave your suitcases around, you know? I think I made the mistake of doing that, and last time I traveled, and there was a German shepherd sniffing it. You know, and I was really concerned, <laughs> like, that's my bag, leave it alone. But it seems that there's this tension that exists in traveling these days. Everyone's concerned about what could be in the bag. So I ask you again, if I opened your luggage today, what would be in it? Because we all claim to be wanting to get closer to God. So let's see what's in this one. You know the guy who hides. A wig. Wow. Hello. Oops. Uh-oh. Hi, 
It's a good book, Liar, Liar. You know what we say around here, right? Our issues are like tissues. You pull one out, there's another one that just comes up. But this one seems closed. I'm concerned about the person who claims they're trying to get closer to God. Oh, here's a picture of just one person. Just only one person. I'm really concerned about the person whose suitcase this belongs to. Because it says CTG. They want to get closer to God. There's a tension that exists between trying to live two lives. And I can keep digging in here. And I'm sure that I'll find a whole lot of stuff that indicates that their desired destination is not somewhere they're going to get to. Participating and indulging in this kind of stuff. It's important that we realize that, that if we're claiming to want to get closer to God, there are some things that we got to begin to put to death. There are some things that we got to begin to let go of. There are some things that we have to realize that they're not helping us to get closer to God. Some of us, it could be the friends we're running with. We learn that friends determine our future. The people I'm hanging out with are going to influence me, whether I claim that or not, they are. And oftentimes, as painful as it is, we got to separate ourselves from some of our friends because in reality, they're not like-minded. They're not on the same road that I'm on. They're not traveling in the same direction. They may claim to be, but they really are not because their lives reflect something completely different. I know when I was growing up that if I wanted to learn how to do something really bad, I had to hang out with the really bad ones. So when I needed to learn how to roll a joint, I hung out with those who know how to do it. When I needed to steal a candy bar, I needed to learn how to do it. It wasn't something that mom and pop taught me. It was something that I picked up because of the friends that I was with. This suitcase. Lexi. Oh. They got a Bible in it. It's a good news. It's a great book. Relationships with Jesus. It's a family portrait. Not just one picture. And of course, our tissue. And this person here is actually working on their issues. The person here is not perfect. The person is trying to get close to God, and it could be you, the person sitting in your seat. We're not perfect. We're flawed people. We're frail. We make mistakes. But I've learned something. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. The conviction is going to draw me away. It's going to draw me closer to God, and condemnation is going to draw me away from God. Now, I want to give you a simple verse that says there is no condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus, listen to me. Listen, you make a mistake, get up, dust yourself off, and continue to travel closer to God. Listen to me. If you make a mistake, don't beat yourself up. If you're in Christ, God knows that you're frail. God knows that you're weak. The error comes in in which we don't work on our weaknesses when we continue to try to live two lives, trying to please those that are around us rather than pleasing God. And Paul brings a sense of reprieve in the scriptures that were read in Romans chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, we can turn there. Huh. 
Hallelujah. Paul, the great encourager, the great church planter. I love when I read this because as I find myself trying to live for the Lord, oftentimes I stumble and I struggle. And the enemy tries to do a number on me. He tries to tell me, you're no good. You know, you messed up. What kind of pastor are you? You know, what kind of man of God are you? What kind of husband are you? And I come to the realization that God knows everything about me. And what he wants me to do is not to recoil and draw the shades and, and disconnect my phone. But he wants me to dust myself off, to get back up, and to try it again. I don't know about you, but we're in a fight for our lives. There's a war that rages in us. There's an enemy in me that's trying to take me out. And I got to be leery. I got to be vigilant. I got to know that the only way that I can defend myself, first and foremost, is as I draw closer to God, I got to forsake the things of the world. I got to tell the world no more. I was a slave to these things, but no more. I've been set free by the love of Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, listen to me. There's a tension that exists in your life. It exists because you have one foot in the world and you're showing up on Sundays. And God is knocking at your heart. And oftentimes you resist that and you leave here again. And there's a tension that exists in your life. Why? Because the word of God, when it goes out, it begins to nestle itself in your heart. It begins to challenge your thinking and your beliefs. And I got to tell you something, when you are confronted with the truth, you must change. You must do something about it. If one friend tells you you got a bad attitude, okay, you can probably dismiss that and say, yo, that's your problem. But if everybody around you is telling you you got a bad attitude, you need to stop and look in the mirror. It's really important that we embrace that, Amen. And as I read this, Paul being the great church plant, the great encourager, you know, what he's saying here is, listen, there's something going on in my life. There's something going on in my life. But if we know Paul's story, he continued to forge forward. He continued to press forward. He continued to do what God called them to do. The Bible says that he pressed forward towards a crown. There's a finish line. There's a race that we're running. And, and, and this suitcase is going to weigh you down. This suitcase is going to take you off course. If your travels are to get closer to God, you have to begin to embrace those holy habits, those things that are going to affect change in your life so that people can mistake you for Jesus, so that people can look at you and see something different about you and say, what is it about you that's different? I see something about you that just doesn't line up. Everybody's like going crazy and they're, you know, kind of bugging out about things. And, you know, they go in here and go in there and you're just not involved with that kind of stuff. But you seem to be really happy. You seem to be really feeling good about yourself. And it's an opportunity for you to share the one who has changed your life. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. And Paul says that the pericope there is struggling with sin, which indicates that, let me tell you something. We're going to constantly struggle with things. Yeah, it's a secret. I just revealed it to you. All right? We are going to struggle with things. 
But I pray that you will struggle forward. I pray that you will not give in to these things. I pray that you will continue to put the word of God in practice in your life. And the holy habits we develop are, are that we pray. You know, one of the simplest things that we can apply, and I hope that you go home with this, is just simple. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. <laughs> you can write that one down, you know. Take it with you. That's a freebie. It's the simplest thing. You don't have to know the Bible from cover to cover, but you know what gets us in trouble most of the time is our mouths. We think 600 words per minute. We only speak 170. You realize there's something wrong there? That oftentimes we're going to say things that we just have no control over. It just rolls out. And then we try to get them back. But know this, that between these two worlds, between these two lives, and I don't know, who, you know where you're at right now, Maybe you're still in a place that you're trying to please some people. Maybe you're still struggling. Listen, this place, 360 Skimmerhorn, will help you. We will do all we can to help you. I can have people stand up in this room all over the place, and they will tell you how they were helped. We are a recovery church. We are a recovery church. This is the only church, I believe, that you can be high and sit on the front row and hear about Jesus Christ. It's the only place that the minute service is over, we will get you into a detox, into a rehab program, and then have you come back so that we can love you even more. Every person here can stand up to that. It's the vision of this church. We're, we're not like any other church. We're not. You come as you are. There are some of us who struggle with a great deal of things. But the doors are constantly open because we believe that the work is up to God to do and to change you as you keep coming around and forsaking these things that continue to struggle. You don't have to struggle to lose. You can struggle to gain to gain a foothold on, on this, this life that God wants you to live. And Paul says, the trouble, in verse 14, the second part of that verse says, the trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. Paul's letting us know that in our humanness, we are powerless. We cannot overcome this sin nature in us, in our humanness. And a lot of us, we try to live good. We try to dress right and act right. Meanwhile, we go home and we're fighting, we're drinking, we're cussing up a storm. On the outside, we look really, really good. But on the inside, we're rotten. And this is the place where God begins to challenge us in that aspect. He says, you know what? I see you. Everybody else may not see you, but I see you. And there's no place that we can hide before God. And therefore, that's why it's so important that 1 John 1, 9 comes into effect in our lives. That we're daily confessing our sins. That we're daily coming before God and, and addressing our shortcomings. Listen, there's nobody here that's perfect. If you are, please stand up. Because I really want to know your secret. Sit down. You're not perfect. Sit down. Put your hand down. I know you. <laughs> But it says that inside of us, there's this struggle, that's this war that continues to go on. 
And the only way to, to be able to put that to death is crossing over and coming to the foot of the cross. Coming to the place where we embrace the truth about Jesus Christ. And Paul says, listen, you can try everything you want on the outside. Externally, you can set everything up. You can have your Bible open. You can have audio going in your house. You can have the fragrance of holiness in your home. But in here, if you don't deal with these things, then you're still, still in trouble. And I don't know where you are today, but I pray that as you hear God's word go out, that there's a confession that begins to come from you. Listen to me. I don't want you looking around thinking about what others are going to think about you. You've heard how we share. We've made ourselves transparent and authentic in this place as pastors. We tell you what we struggle with. We tell you how God has helped us to overcome it. We tell you how we've put some things in place to help us. Anybody here who's still trying to fly solo, you're in trouble. You're in trouble if you're not coming around on Wednesdays to be part of small groups. You're in trouble if you're not coming on Sundays. You're in trouble as a man. Listen to me. If you're not showing up, if you're a man and you're not showing up on Thursday, shame on you. God is doing a mighty thing among the men in this place, challenging us to go to the next level. I pray that you will participate in that. But most importantly, I pray that you would realize, listen, because here's what the culture tells us. Do you. Take care of yourself. You don't need anybody. That's a lie from the pit of hell because you know that when you're alone, the voices show up. And these voices don't come in bringing greetings. They bring chaos. They bring confusion. And Paul says there's something going on inside you that will lead you that way. There's a tension that exists. There's, there's a tugging. Everybody in the pull on a rubber band? You know, and you keep stretching and stretching and hoping, you know, the tension eventually is going to give. It's going to pop. And that's the way it is when you're trying to live two lives, when you're wearing a mask, when you're not being who God has called you to be. You're constantly on the outside looking good, but on the inside, you're a mess. The kids say you're a hot mess. I don't know why they say that. I guess they add emphasis to it. But it definitely brings and rings true. Listen. We don't want to fake it. I mean, we want to be what God has called us to be. But it's important that you realize that there's a destination. And if you claim to be getting closer to God, then you have to be able to overcome those things of the world. And in our human nature, Paul is clear. You're not going to be able to do it. We need Jesus Christ. We need the Holy Spirit. We need God's word. We need like-minded people around us, shoring us up, holding us up, caring for us, loving us. And I know that's hard sometimes for us because the world has confused you with this whole concept of love. See, the world says, take all you can. You know, you love me. I remember when I first came into the church and I was embraced and people were telling me they loved me. I had an issue with that. I was concerned about that. I was wondering where were they going to ask me for money. Or they were going to ask me for a favor, you know. And they never did. It was just they love you, man. I came in all twisted, and they just kept loving me and loving me, and I couldn't understand why until I began to get into God's word and realize that because God loved them, they loved me. 
And I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to jump through hoops. I didn't have to entertain anybody. I didn't have to try to be cool. I didn't have to try to be the best. All I had to do was be myself. The very best myself that I can be. And Paul says here that those things he tries to do, he finds himself not being able to do. I want to talk to you a little bit about faith. Not this blind faith. Not this faith where we just close our eyes and walk off a ledge. It's this faith in a God who cares for us. It's this faith in a God who has our lives in his hand. It's a faith in a God who sees everything and knows everything about you. And still loves you. Still cares about you. Still continues to work in your life and reveal himself to you in a very special way. But the Bible says that we need to put to death some of these behaviors, some of these things in our lives that, you know, uh, uh, deliver a different message. Y you know what they are. You know what they are. You know, one minute you're praising God, and then the next minute with the same mouth that you're praising God, you're cussing man. You know, you, you, you know you're wrecking your home. You're constantly throwing words out there that are tearing down and not building up. And the Bible is clear where those things come from. Does anybody know where they come from? The Bible says they come from our hearts. It says that in here we're a mess. And Paul is addressing that. He's saying, you know, inside me, in my heart, that there's things that have happened to me that I've let them just nestle in there and camp out and they've established some roots and now I'm bitter, I'm resentful, and I'm unforgiving. So therefore, there's a tension between living for God and living in the world because the world tells me not to forgive. The world tells me they owe me something. They hurt me. And God is telling me, forgive them. And I'm in the middle saying, God, but you don't know what I went through. Yes, he does. He was there. It's the reason why you're still here. It's the reason why the experiences you had did not kill you. You're here because God wants to give you another opportunity to close the book and the chapter on that life and begin to write a new book, a new story that reveals what God is able to do in a life that yields and surrenders to his grace and his work in us. There's a war going on overseas, but there's also a war going on in the very seat that you sit in. There's a battle for your souls. There is something that you need to realize. But I love Paul because Paul keeps it real. He says, listen, I'm there too. I try to do the right thing. He goes on to say in verse 15, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, but if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the Lord is good. In other words, God's word begins to reveal to us that what we used to do and what we may still be indulging in just doesn't line up with this destination that your suitcase is marked. It says that you want to get closer to God. It says that you want to know God. And the minute Pastor Gus says, well, let go of this. Stop seeing her. Stop seeing him. Move out. Let go of that. You say, well, Pastor, I can't. 
But you claim you want to get closer to God. And I know you can't. But God can. If you allow him to, he will. I used to drink till I passed out. And in doing so, I used to forget some things and regret some things. But you know what? Next week came around and guess what I was doing? I was drinking again. See, in my human nature, I couldn't stop. And some of us know when we talk about the disease, we talk about, you know, uh, our sinful nature. We, we, we talk about, man, I'm trying, Pastor. I'm trying. I'm, I'm just trying. I'm praying. You know, I, I'm really just trying to forge forward. I'm coming around. But then, boom, it happens again. Listen to me. Don't let the enemy keep you down. Get back up. Dust yourself off. And develop holy habits. Keep coming back. Keep pressing in. Don't, don't let anything keep you from the blessing that lies before you. And the blessing is that you don't have to exist in this tension. You don't, you don't have to be in this place, this, this fence walking. You can come into this place where you're able to look back on your life and use it as a testimony of what God was able to free you from. That's what this is all about. That, that our Egypt experience, our past, doesn't continue to dictate to us what we do today. That we realize that in our human nature, there is no way that I'm going to be able to defeat this. I've been trying for 12 years. I've been trying to stop drinking. I've been trying to stop smoking. I've been trying to stop cussing. Man, I, I don't know. I've gone from relationship to relationship. Haven't been married, but I have like five kids. And, you know, I, my finances is a mess. Why? Because you're living in a tension that God says you got to stop being on the fence. you got to decide what you're going to do. There are defining moments that shape each and every one of us. Today is a defining moment for you. I know 19 years ago there was a defining moment for me. And I took the road less traveled. And I've never had any regrets. God has changed my life. Listen to me. I pray now. <laughs> you see, you don't appreciate that. Because, it, you know, for some of you, it comes natural, right? Some of you, you know, you, you know, you're really holy, you know? I pray now. I drink orange juice in the morning. You're not listening to me, right? You don't really appreciate that. And I think a lot of us need to appreciate that. A lot of us need to realize God is doing something in my life. But we have to get off the fence and decide... This is where I'm going to be. This is where I'm going to exist. I want to go to Romans chapter 8 because the scripture ended as I am a slave to sin in chapter 7. And I want to show us the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8. It says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. How many of us here belong to Christ? How many of us belong to Christ? Raise your hand all over the room. So if you belong to Christ, know this, that when you make a mistake, that's all it is. It's a mistake. It's not the end of it. 
It's just God showing you that your issues are like tissues. You took care of one, another one's going to pop out. But we address them. We get better at this. We put things in place to help us. We develop holy habits. And Paul says, you know, I'm there with you. You know, wretched man that I am, who will free me? He says, only person that can help me is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ alone. Not the person behind you or next to you, in front of you, not the pastor, but Jesus Christ. The relationship that we invite you to have is not with us, but with Jesus Christ. That's who we lift up because the Bible reminds us that if we lift up the name of Jesus, he will draw all men unto him. He will draw you to him. It's because of the person of Jesus Christ. Listen, when I first came to church and they started talking to me about Jesus and Jesus loving me and Jesus dying for me, I was very suspicious. Why in the world would he die for me? I'm a messed up crazy. I was all tore up. If you ask me, Jesus, you know, Jesus, Jesus would have asked me, you know, should I die for you? I say, you crazy, don't waste your time. But thank God that he didn't ask us. Thank God that he loved us enough to see us for what we can be. And not where we are or where we've been. He goes on to say in the scripture, and because you belong to him. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. How many know that the wages of sin is what? The wages of sin is? And stop doing business with him. Stop doing business with him. If you know that the wages of sin is death, stop doing business with him. You know, close that account. You know, I don't want to see you no more. I'm good. I'm good. I don't want to be a slave to sin anymore. I don't want to owe anybody. I don't want nobody knocking on my door trying to collect on a past debt. Because of Jesus Christ, I am debt free. He's paid the price for me. He's cleaned the slate. So it's important that we continue to, one, get off this fence. That's where the tension exists. A lot of us grew up with this guilt-written God where God would punish us in an instant for our behavior. God is a loving God, and he loves you. He's not sitting up there with lightning bolts looking to zap you. That's not what he does. He loves us, and he knows us better than we know ourselves. And we deceive ourselves, no one else, when we sit on this fence and try to live these true lies, my prayer today is that you cross over, that you make a decision once and for all, that you understand that in your human nature, you're incapable of doing it, that you cry out to God for help and begin to walk in the newness of life that he has for us. He goes on to say that there's power that's been given to us. He says the Lord Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. The Bible also reminds me that in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. I know a lot of people who uh, uh, try to work on their weaknesses, and they put a lot of things in place, and when they don't, they really beat themselves up. How many of us have tried dieting? How many of us have tried, you know, to stop smoking? How many of us have tried to stop doing certain things in our own strength only to find ourselves 
stumbling and falling and then beating ourselves up about it. Man, I, I, I am a person who gets up and I encourage you to get up. I guess it's the fighter in me. You know, I said, devil, you hit me, I want to hit you harder. And, and, you know, I continue to strive forward. And my encouragement to you today is to realize that Paul himself is saying, yo, I, this is where I'm at. You know, this is where I'm at. You know, there's, there's something that goes on inside us that we're not going to get rid of until we're in heaven. Until we're in heaven. Every day we ask the Lord, we seek his face, we read his word more, and we allow his word to nestle in our hearts and begin to change us as we put that consciously into practice. God begins to do a work in us as we are obedient to his word. That's what this is all about, that God says forgive, and we stop fighting with the tension, I'm not forgiving him. I'm not forgiving him. I'm staying right here. I'm not forgiving him. You don't know what he's done to me. You don't know what she did to me. Man, I, I don't understand this God who talks about forgiving. So you stay here, and you struggle, and you're miserable, and your misery begins to manifest itself in physical ailments. And you wonder why you have an ulcer and high blood pressure. And you begin to wonder about all these things only to blot out the voice of God that is telling you, forgive. Let go. Stop holding on to that. I want to take you to that next level. And you're letting your human nature rule you. And God is saying you, you, need, to, you need to cross over. You need to... You need to rid yourself of that lifestyle. The rules of life that you've lived with. Paul is saying, I, God has given us power. Listen, if you accept Christ and, and you claim to belong to him, he's already given you the power and the ability to be able to overcome. In this realm, in the spiritual realm, physically, in our sinful nature, it's always going to take us back. Listen, even on my knees and on my face, I am astonished at some of the thoughts that come into my head. Come on, don't let me out there by myself now. Don't let me out there by myself, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start thinking I'm in the wrong church. Okay, now, and, 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 and there's things that i got to battle through. Because for 29 years, all these images, all these thoughts, all these behaviors have been part of my life. And somebody has lied to you telling you that the minute you come to Christ, everything is good. Everything is wonderful. It's a different perspective we get when we come to Christ. God draws us back, takes us off the fence, and puts us on this side and allows us now to look at the things in our lives in a different way. Paul is wonderful in how he puts it in Romans chapter 8. He says there's power and there's life. And he goes on to say, so God did what the Lord could not do. In other words, what my human nature, what my external behavior, all the checkpoints that I had in life just didn't help me until internally he began to dwell in me and began to whisper in my ear and began to remind me of his love and his mercy and his compassion. He began to tell me that I'm able, that I can do these things if I get off the fence if I stop living in this place of tension, if I realize that if I try to do it in my own strength, 
if I try to do it in my human ability, if I try to lean on the degrees on my wall, on the muscles in my arm, in my fast car, in the wad of money I got in my pocket, that I'm going to fail. And then I find myself living in this tension, living in this place that doesn't allow me to experience the abundant life doesn't allow me to experience God in his fullness because I got one foot in the world and one foot here and I'm straddling this place and I don't know how to maneuver it. It's important that we realize that as long as we live in the tension of two lives that we're never going to be able to experience the presence of God in such a way that would allow us to be able to stand and be counted among those, hallelujah, who have surrendered and yielded their lives unto the Lord. Amen? Amen. Verse 5 says something really powerful. It says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. There's a story once told, Native American story, about a young boy who's with his uh, father and they're watching there are these two wolves on the hill and they're fighting and they you see the wolves and they're biting each other and they're fighting and, and one of them is a gray wolf and the other one is a darker color and, and they're fighting and, and they belong you know they, they used to be in the camp with them as well and the young boy asked the father you know father who, who's gonna win who, who's gonna win the father says well the one you fed the most is going to win. It's no different with us. If we continue to feed our sinful nature, our human nature, if we continue to give in to those behaviors and those things, when it comes time to try to live for God, you won't be able to. Because the one you fed the most is the one that's going to dominate your thinking. And so a man thinks, so he is. If you give in to these thoughts, if you get into these behaviors, that's what's going to happen because you, you're not doing the work. You're not doing the work that you need to do. And this is not faith by works, but faith without works is dead. You can't say, I'm going to get closer to God and this is your suitcase. You can't say you want to get closer to God and you're still indulging in behaviors that are contrary to it. very quiet in here. I pray it's the Holy Spirit moving. I think it's important that we realize that the one that we feed the most will dominate our lives. He goes on to say, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your minds leads to life and peace. What controls you today? What is it that consumes your thought life? What is it that you think the most on? What's the last thoughts you have before you go to bed at night? When you wake in the morning? 
Because those things that you think most upon will rule your actions. We've tried diligently and persistently to instill in our congregation values. The values that will dictate how you live. Because I have values in my life now, it's a lot easy for me to say no to those things that will lead me astray. Because I have a sense of value and I have these, these core values in my life, I'm able to say no to a lot of things. During well, the Life Rules series, we talked about really simple. We said that sex was good. We said that. But we said that sex outside of marriage is a sin. We said that. We didn't make it up. We quickly pointed to the Bible so that we knew. Because people get really upset with the pastors. But if it's in the word of God and we want to honor God's word, that's what we need to do. We talked about forgiveness, the real F word. And we said that, you know, you can't ask God to forgive you if you're not willing to forgive others. It's the prayer, our Father, which we all know. Real simple things like that. That people still struggle with. They're on the fence and they still struggle with these real simple things. We talked about how this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit where God dwells, and you can't put God on a shelf and say, hey, God, wait here while I go into the ball. I'll be right back. You just can't. So we need to care for this body. We need to stop ingesting things that will cause us harm. We need to stop thinking that our way is the way. If, if you still feel that way, can you show me the ledger of how you've turned out based on your way? Can you show me the side of that sheet, that balance sheet that shows me you've done it your way and the results you've gotten? Because if there are some principles there that are worth living by, I want to live by them. But when I look on that side of the ledger in my life, there's been nothing but chaos, destruction, and pain, and listen to me, consequences that I'm still living with today. 19 years after being saved by the mercy of God. Still living from some of the things that I've done while I was out there in the world. Some of the, you know, somebody tell me, hey, why don't you... Uh, um, you know, with technology, we're moving up, and I just got better at texting. So that's as far as I'm getting, okay? Uh, my emails were backed up, and people tell me that, you know, they're bouncing emails back and forth. I didn't know that you had to clear it, okay? So, so that's where I'm at. But, but it's the whole idea. Somebody say, hey, hey, Pastor, you need to get on Facebook. You know, you know, I said, listen, I don't remember the people that I hurt or robbed. Why would I put myself on Facebook? Why would I do that? Because it proves that what I've done on this side, I'm not, I look back on it now. I don't feel good about it. I know God has forgiven me, so I'm not beating myself up. But there's nothing, I try to find something that I did right. 
I, I try, but I don't find anything that on this side of the ledger I did right. I masked a lot of things, I covered a lot of things, I, I deceived a lot of people, I was a liar, liar, you know, I, I, whatever you want to say, there's a whole bunch of names to whatever it was. But something happened when I stopped living on the fence and made a decision to live for Christ. I'm a different person now. I'm a different person by the grace of God. I beat this flesh daily. I get it to submit daily. Because the Bible says that the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing to take us to that place we need to get to. So I don't let my five senses dictate to me what I'm going to do. I trust the word of God to guide me and to keep me. Paul nails it. He says, yo, church planter, encourager, mighty man of God, I press towards that goal. Even in my struggles, I'm a wretched man, but listen, I'm pressing forward. And my prayer today is that you stop trying to live this duplicity, this duality of life, that you stop trying to live two lives and realize that God wants to bring you to be one. One person. That wherever you are, that you are a person of integrity. That you are a person. You know what integrity means? It's real simple. It's wholeness. But it simply means who you are when nobody's looking. You know. When nobody's looking and you're in front of the computer. When nobody's looking and you're at the office. When your Christian friends are not around you. And you're in Yankee Stadium and you take off your shirt and you scream, Not realizing we just got you on camera. Hey, is that Pastor Goss? Maybe me, I'm a Yankee fan. <laughs> But to know that, that right here, you don't have to be there no more. And today you can say no and turn your back on these things. You know what that Bible calls that? Repent. That's what it calls it. That you would have a change of mind and realize that everything that you've been trying to do in your human nature has only taken you deeper and deeper into this dark hole that oftentimes it's hard for you to get out. You don't want to call anybody or have anybody call you. You don't want to make any meetings. You don't want to come to church. You, you don't want to know anything with people. Why? Because people are going to remind you what you need to be doing and you don't want to do it. That's what Paul says. There are some things that I want to do, but I, I just don't do it. I procrastinate. I say, I'll take care of it tomorrow. I say, well, I'm in a process. God's working on me. Leave me alone, please. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You've been in the process for 20 years. There's got to be a change, un poquito, a little bit, step by step. But you got to get off the fence. you got to rid yourself of this tension and come on over. And you can't do that on your own. You just can't. I don't know where you are today. 
you know, you've been trying really hard and you've got all these external uh, things in your life that indicate that you're traveling closer to God, but internally there's a great deal of struggle. Even if you're sitting right now, you're hoping that I shut up. Because inside of you, there's something going on and uh, you're saying, gosh, I, I, this is really hard. You're making it hard by resisting what God is calling you to do and to be. You can't fight God and expect to live this life. So my prayer today is that you would understand that in your human nature, you're incapable, that you're powerless, and that you need power from on high to be able to overcome these things. I remember uh, the nightlight, you know? Anybody ever sleep with a nightlight? Come on, raise your hand. You slept with a nightlight. Come on. True, I love that. Sleep with a nightlight, why? Because you're afraid of the dark, right? And you close your eyes, and you try to convince yourself that the darkness is going away. But when you open your eyes, the darkness is still there. See, our faith is not one in which we close our eyes and say, go away, go away, go away, go away, go away. That's not what happens. Our faith is that God says, put it to death. Don't touch the unclean thing. Walk away. Change the way you think, the way you feel. And it'll affect the way you act. You see, there's something that you and I have to do. First and foremost, we have to believe in Jesus Christ. Know that he is able to do that in our lives. That we can't do it on our own. That we just can't. I know because I've tried. And, and you're probably saying I've tried too. And I keep falling. I keep stumbling. I keep messing up. Because you're trying in your human nature. You're trying in your own strength. You're not going to be able to do it. It's got to happen by the power of God. Get off the fence. Stop living in that tension of two lives. And come on over. Doesn't mean we're perfect. It just means that we're struggling forward. And every single day we embrace the victory that's before us. You ever accomplish something and say, wow, I did it. Yeah, it was always in you. You have the ability to do it. But somehow, the tension of being here has overwhelmed you to feel like you can't. If you're in Christ, he's already put it in you. He's given you the ability to be able to say no and be able to walk away from these things that harm you and be able to be the person that he wants you to be. But know that the world is constantly going to be tugging at you. And somehow you got to have to use your spiritual scissors and cut the ties with the world. I pray that that's what you go home with today. You can't live two lives. The Bible is clear that you can't serve two masters. You can't dine at the table that God has set for you, wipe your mouth, and then go eat at that table and not expect to get a stomachache. I'm going to ask the team to come up. 
as we prepare to respond to the word of God and worship. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward at this time as well. There are several things that I want to make very, very clear. And it's that when Paul talks about those things that he wants to do, not being able to do them, he clearly lets us know that in our human nature we're not going to be able to do it. But he says that with the Spirit of God empowering us, we'll be able to do these things, to honor God. All of us here will raise our hands and say, we want to be blessed by God. We want God's blessings on our life. Every single person at a drop of a dime will say, I want to be blessed by God. But then we ask the question, you want Jesus. You got to take all of Jesus. It's the whole package. It's saying no to those things that will hinder you and make it impossible for you to live for the Lord. We want his blessings. And his blessings are conditional. We need to walk in the Lord. We need to be able to say, God, here I am. Use me. Here I am. Help me. And God sends us help every single day. He truly and really does. And we need to be able to say no to those things that are hindering us from being what we can be. And, and I got to tell you, I look around the room. You know what you're supposed to be doing. There are familiar faces in this room. You know what you're supposed to be doing. And if you don't, like we say in the street, you need to ask. You need to ask. Because you cannot stay on this fence and experience God. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Hallelujah. I truly believe that there's so much more that God has for us, for each individual in this room. And my question is, do you want it? Do you want more? Or has it come to a place in your life that you've settled, that it's cool. I don't have to do anything else. I'm coming to church on Sundays, Pastor. That's enough. Man, I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand before God on that day and hear him say, I had so much more for you. God is looking for people that he can trust with the more. People that will turn their backs on the world and run towards his open arms. And in doing so, begin to live a life that so reflects what he's done and the gratefulness in your life. Right now, we're going to continue our worship by giving. But in front of you or in your pamphlet, there is a yellow card. And in that yellow card, what we do is we respond to the sermon. If uh, you miss Pastor Edwin, you can put that down. Okay? That's all good. 
if, 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 if God has spoken to you today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down, I want more. If you're here for the first time, check off that first time box. Put down your name, your address. If you have a prayer request at the very bottom of it, we pray feverishly for every yellow card that's in the prayer list when we get it. Feverishly, we reach out to you and we try to help you to understand and, and walk closer with the Lord. Uh, counseling, we have counseling on Mondays. We, we really try to do everything we can because I know when I first walked into the church, I didn't have no clue, no clue. I thank God that he put men and women around me to help me. So if you put at the very bottom there, I want more. It just simply means that you're going to begin to get off the fence, forsake the world, pick up your luggage that's going to take you closer to God. You'll develop some holy habits in your life. When the plate goes around, you make sure you put your yellow card in there. I want to pray at this time for the offering, and then we're going to be blessed by Colorado again. And then I'll come back and we'll close up. I want you to be able to worship freely. I want you to be able to just open yourself up, lift your hands and lift your hawks, and just what you've heard today, begin to pray to God that he would help you to stop living the two lives that you currently are trying to live. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, the way that you've brought it forth and brought it out. I pray that it's fallen on good ground. I pray that as the truth has gone out, that in being confronted with the truth, you will provoke us to change, not, Lord, in our human nature, but by your spirit. Lord, I pray for a movement of your presence in this place. Now we continue our worship, not only by lifting up our voices, Lord, but by bringing it into your storehouse a mere portion of what belongs to you. We thank you for the provision of our lives, the way that you've kept us. We thank you for the fellowship of this day. We thank you for our visitors, oh God. We thank you for each and every person. Help us to give, not out of compulsion, oh God, but with a cheerful heart, knowing that we're sowing seeds in a ministry that is literally saving lives. Lord, I thank you for your blessing upon this place. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone say, amen, amen. Bless as you do.